Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Haven Podcast. With me today is Pete Semetti from Alterna Comics. Um, really cool indie label with an awesome business model. Um, we have a great conversation about the state of the comic book industry. And uh, it was just a blast and just a really good in-depth bird's eye view of what's going on in comics. And uh, how cool it is and refreshing it is to, uh, to see somebody start a label and do it right. And uh, just how awesome their books are and the business model. And I can't brag enough about how much I like, really love Alterna Comics. So uh, enjoy, guys. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Hey. So you're in New Hampshire, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where are you located? I live in uh, Metro Atlanta now, but I was a um, Taunton, Massachusetts boy. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up... Uh, in fact, I still have uh, family in Farmington, uh, New Hampshire. Oh, okay. Awesome. I used to love going up there. My dad had a cabin uh, in Vermont um, near White River Junction. Um and we used to, yeah, we used to, uh, I think my dad's family of origin is Rutland and Rygate. Oh, okay, wow. Jeez, small world. I know, right? And then they moved, uh, they moved into Massachusetts sometime in the early 1800s. Like, my dad's family's been here almost, you know, since inception. So, wow, that, that's crazy. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's I, I miss it. I mean, I mean, my wife's from here, and her whole family's here. I'm the only one down from New England that lives down here. So you know, I'm not going to make my kids and my and my wife move away from everything they've ever known just because I get homesick sometimes. But I do like getting up there when we can. Yeah, I mean, the next time you're up, if you're especially up for a uh, convention or something, let me know because we might cross paths. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. So, wh- whereabouts in New Hampshire are you guys? Uh, southern New Hampshire, by uh, by Exeter. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, probably a half hour, maybe from from like Haverhill, I guess. So, yeah, it's not it's not really that far away from the from the border at all. And uh, we we came up from we were in Gloucester for a while in Massachusetts, and we were in Peabody, and we've been a, a bunch of places. But um, yeah, I mean. We're, we love it up in New England, so it's been it's been really nice. Gloucester. Yeah. <laughs> See, now he, he, here's where people who listen to the show will laugh. Is um, I've lived in Georgia so long that you can hear it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's like a little bit. But watch by the end of this episode, because we had a guy, um, we did a, um, the uh, zombie with a shotgun creator. Um we had him on, and he is, like, smack dab in the middle of Brooklyn. And by the end of the episode, I didn't even sound like the other 18 episodes we had done because the accent just, like, naturally <laughs> comes back. So you were like, oh, yeah, Gloucester. In my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, Gloucester. Yup. Exeter. <laughs> we said, um, like, I haven't been back in a while. In fact, if you want to point a reference, I think the last time I was at least in New Hampshire, I've been to Massachusetts, but I think the last time I was in New Hampshire, they were still trying to keep the face from falling off. That's how long that's been. Old Man of the Mountain was oh, still wow, a yeah, thing. That's a, that's yeah. A while. yeah. 
But I saw, I reached out because um, your your comics and, and your label are new to me. Um, I've always been into comics, but your method is what like really stuck out to me. And, and I've heard a lot of people when I said I was going to have you on, they were like, "Oh yeah, they're, they're the ones with that really cool business model, and they're the ones like." So I mean, it's it's definitely caught on and caught people's attention. Yeah, it's awesome anything. to hear. I, I think uh, it's mostly because for about 10 years we were just doing graphic novels primarily. And um, the business, the whole industry kind of turned towards graphic novels when we started doing that. And um, for whatever reason, I think it's got a large, a large part to do with, uh, with digital now. Uh, single issues seem to be making more of a comeback again. Yeah, because you can, I mean, instead of having a sift through them i mean it's, it's like any other convenience you can do online you pick specifically what you want and boom it's right there you know yeah because i remember as a kid um and obviously you remember then trade paperbacks weren't a thing um when i was collecting oh, no, was in the rare, late 80s and yeah. the 90s yeah like once in a while they'd be like a one-shot storyline that was a little bit thicker than a monthly volume or an annual but i mean yeah th- you couldn't go to a bookstore, and they had just, like, this whole section that was just trade paperbacks. Like, it just didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, if anything, too, I, I kind of wish that in some way the graphic novel stuck to being more of a um, an adult-aimed kind of thing, where mm-hmm. it would be these outside-the-continuity-of-single-issues type of stories. It'd be a more story. Because they're, they're definitely not really aimed at a younger audience for the most part until they started combining and doing trade paperbacks. Right. Um, but the, the line kind of got blurred because then all of a sudden every, every, if anything, the graphic novel kind of ruined sequential storytelling with, with all of that, the serialized because everyone started plotting out the events and the, the storyline so it could fit nicely in, you know, a graphic novel format. And then everything just went that way. And it's kind of been that way for like 20 years, and um, and people are getting are getting really tired of it, I think, too, because you get it's hurt the business also because you get the trade waiting people who just kind of are like I'll skip the, the issues and I'll just wait for the trade. But with Marvel and DC, that might work, and I mean, in some cases it don't. But um, in yeah. India, it really doesn't work because you'll kill the series right off the bat, you know? Right. Most definitely. Um, so, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of things going on, and just being in the industry for like ten, eleven years, it's 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 given me a, a chance to see a lot of it. Oh, I bet, dude. I I was gonna say, I, I mean, I've had, um, you know, people from Top Cow and IDW on, and I always ask them like, how much has the industry changed for you guys? And I like what you guys are doing because you do do the digital, but the way you release your actual physical books using the style that you do, if you look at how much your issues are compared to, you know, so I think that that's what I definitely found interesting. So that's what I was going to ask, like, if you wanted to speak on that, like why you went with the printing format choice that that you did as opposed to, you know, the, the other publishers out there, big and small. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to talk about whatever. Cool. So, so yeah. So, like, what was it? Uh, I mean, like, was it a cost choice or a getting the product to the customer? 
without having to charge them five or six bucks for a single issue? Like, what was the decision to use, I don't want to say like the old school style of, of putting a book together? You know what I mean? Well, uh, I, th- I think, yeah, I think the decision was mostly made, um, it was mostly made just because I felt like newsprint and comics are just, they go hand in hand. I think mm-hmm. I think we just kind of stepped away from making single issues because when I was first looking for a newsprint printer, um, it was really tough to find one. And then when you would find one, they had minimum runs that were like 25,000, 50,000, you know, because they're doing big circulation for the most part. Uh, and they couldn't really justify doing, you know, 5,000 even. And um, it, it was really, it was great cost effective wise if you could get up that high. But, you know, then you're looking around and you're like, where am I going to put all these things? <laughs> right. Um, so it was just like, I was always aware that I wanted to do newsprint issues, but it was just finding a printer that could do it, um, especially in a realistic sense. Uh, it just wasn't happening. And um, every couple of years, I'd kind of look back into it and, and see if, if the search turned any new results up, and, and it usually didn't. But for whatever reason, for this year, um, it finally did. And um, and I think a lot of it had to do... I read something about like maybe three or four years ago, uh, something happened that made... Uh, web press printing, which is what all news prints on, um, more affordable, so they could do shorter runs. They could do runs of even a thousand, and um, and while it's not super cheap at a thousand, it still is less money than um, standard uh, printing the way it is right now for comic books. But as soon as you start doing more than that, if you do five to ten thousand, it, it starts to become very cheap uh, compared to the standard printing right now. So. All of our runs are kind of between that range. We're all we're doing each book between five to ten thousand, and um, with that, it's it. We we looked at it and it was about a third of the cost. It's something like, I think for five thousand issues, it's like twenty twenty five cents around there for a full color book. Wow! Um, and we sold advertising too in the book, so. On most of the runs, we're looking at maybe at the end of the day, the run for five thousand is costing out of pocket like four to five hundred dollars. Um, so in some cases, it's paid off completely. It depends how much advertising we could sell, how much space there is to do that. But um, because of the advertising that we got, and we got, I mean, companies like Ultra Pro and and BCW and Big Apple Con and a bunch of different places to advertise. So it's not like it's just. Um, just little advertisers here and there. There's actually some pretty big, well-known industry names and, and things like that advertising as well. And uh, so it just drove the cost down further and it made the books that, that we can just sell them and be profitable pretty much right off the bat. And on top of that, we got newsstand distribution, which we're going to begin in about a month. So that adds on more to the print runs as well. So it kind of drives the cost down further and and gets more of the books out there. So it, it, it was kind of just going with newsprint made sense. Um, newsprint and comics, to me, it's just, they go hand in hand. It, it, it wasn't really something to to kind of drive the cost down as it was that the motivator of, of what a comic book felt like and what it should feel like. Uh, I think that's kind of what motivated the whole thing. See, that, yes, yes. Like, as an old-school collector, as a kid, as, as, you know, I mean, I'm 36 now, and I, and I started collecting um, when I was, like, 8 or 9. So, I mean, we weren't even out of the 80s yet when I started collecting, and I actually yeah. miss that about my, my old issues. I mean, th- th- there's even, like, 
for for a collector, you even get even more meta than that. There's like a smell to newsprint that's different. There's a feel to it in the pages, not just the way it looks, but like the feel as you flip from as you read your book. Like, yeah, I I loved seeing that. So I actually started getting into your books, and now I am a big collector for Mother Russia. I love that book <coughs> myself, and you know, my kids starting to get into. She's uh. She's 10, and my 19-year-old, she's like a huge Deadpool fan, but she's starting to branch out and, and look at indie comics and my 10-year-old, so I like that your model has something for me at 36, my 19-year-old, and my 10-year-old, because I was thinking about getting her into um, either Amazing Age or Lilith Dark for the 10-year-old. Oh, yeah, you then, can't go wrong with either one. Exactly. Yeah, she'd love either one. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Adam Reck, it, it, you know, so, like, I'm thinking about getting her signed up for those, but I know I started reading Mother Russia and got sucked in really hard <laughs> to that one, and I was looking at, um, getting into, a was it, uh, this Croak. Yeah, Croak is, Croak is great, um... Mother Russia, Trespassers, Grimshaw, I've got, uh, my, my own book, The Chair, coming the out, chair, and that one's gonna yeah. be a buck. So, uh, yeah, all the books are – that's another thing, too, because everyone thought newsprint, lower prices, that means it's all for kids. And, and I was like, no, 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 we're, we're not doing anything different. We're just putting the books out on newsprint, and that's the price. We, we've been putting out books for everybody, you know, all kinds of ages, all kinds of genres since we started. And that wasn't going to change. It wasn't going to be just like, oh, everything's throwback and everything's, you know. It's, it's throwback in the sense that newsprint hasn't been on a new comic book day release wall in like 20 years um that's right. that's the way that's throwback for the most part and and also we've got text on the covers because a lot of a lot of comics for whatever reason nowadays they're embarrassed to be comic books on the cover um comic books are text and visual and it used to be that you know you'd read uh some of the story on the cover that's what sucked you in i was now gonna say yeah you'd, you'd you know, see the yeah. tagline and you'd be like oh snap like like Okay, so yeah, that's what's even happening. If it was, even if it was outrageous, you know, even if it was something like in this issue, everybody dies, you know, like that, that X-Men issue with like the Sentinel blowing apart Wolverine, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even if it was something, it still got you into the book on some level that you, you had a little bit of, of something that lured you in. Um, and I'm an artist, so it, it, I want to see art too, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a comic book guy. So visual and text is, is, is it just goes together. I don't understand um, the the tendency that the industry has now to just put um, every cover is like a print more or less with a logo on the top and it should, it should lure you into the story. It should, it should make you want to pick up the book and just flip through it. And it's really difficult to do that with just an image. There's only so many covers and so many artists that could pull that off. Right. And you know, if you don't have that, that kind of little bit of a snippet, or, you know, someone saying something or something to give you a clue as to what the issue is even about. Because on a trade paperback or a graphic novel, you could put what it's about on the back, you know. So you can flip it over, take a little read of a paragraph, see, oh, okay, this might be for me, this might not be for me. But on a single issue, unless you're going to sit there and read through them, which I'm sure every comic book shop owner must love, um, you're not going to know what the hell the story's about. Right, now I'm so, not going to pick this one up, I just read it. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and then they thumb through it, and then, you know, God forbid if their fingers are greasy and things like that. So it's like there's a whole lot of complications that, that I can only imagine what, the, uh, what would happen in a comic shop. But um, so 
we're putting text back on covers and we're putting things like that and and just even the little the little corner box with the the price and the number and and the logo and stuff and and I mean you know we're borrowing that heavily from the comics that we loved as kids you know Marvel and DC stuff like that and um well it works it, dude because that's weird. what put you on my radar like honestly yeah yeah it's it's weird how much uh, comics have stepped away from that and I understand making more mature stories and making serious stories. I mean, we got a ton of those at Alterna, but um, you don't need to take the fun or the whimsy out of something just because it's going to be serious. You know, you right. can still have those things that, that still make it fun because it's a comic book after all. You know, we're not we're not necessarily uh, doing something that that's crazy serious here. It's 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 still a comic book. It's still supposed to be fun. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like every other form of entertainment. When, when you yeah, talk about how yeah. the text is off of the cover, and and sure, the art may be really cool, and you're like, oh wow, look at that lineup, or wow, look at that. But yeah, I mean, movies have trailers, TV shows have trailers, video games have trailers, you know. So it's like, why would you not have a trailer, even yeah, if, it's, I mean, if it just you know, costs you a couple text boxes on a cover? Yeah, and and instead, uh, if anything, comic books have trailers now too, and and if you know, some of them are great. Some of them are really great, but it's still it's still not telling you the the way a comic book comes across. It's still it's a different it's a different medium. You're using now you know animation on some level to sell a comic book, and now you know you read the comic book. It's not going to be the same experience as watching that comic book trailer. So there, there's different aspects to stuff, and but I mean just put some text on the cover. I, I'd love to see more publishers do stuff like that. Um, it, it would just it would just be so great to to just look at a release wall and be able to pick apart you know oh that one sounds great that one sounds great not like that one necessarily looks great but it sounds great you know it, it could it's it's something that you just need to to look at and 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 dive into and not have to really just sit there and weigh your options and 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 see if the art really speaks to you because it should be both it should be the art and the writing. And I mean, if anything, I've read a lot of books where, you know, I thought the art was okay, but I love the writing. So it really, it really propelled the story. Um, right. Now it's like the weight is so much on the cover. Um, we're doing the whole thing of, of judging a book by its cover. And, and it's, it's really difficult. It's difficult, I think, for a lot of publishers and creators to get some headway because you only get that, that quick snippet. And if anything, now... There's more comics than ever on the wall. Uh, it's not like this 20, 30 years ago. Um, there's tons of publications now every single month, every single week even. How can you possibly know what the hell to get unless you already know what you want to get? Right, exactly. I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I have an LCS here in, in Georgia called Titan Comics. And, and you go in there and, you know, I, I, I fell off of collecting for a while, I still kept all my back issues. I'd go back, and I still actually kind of prefer to go back to the old issues from when I was collecting, and you know, the layout and, and what we're talking about, I still find more attractive. But I mean, I went in because, and I started collecting again. And it was really as Frank Miller's Dark Knight Three coming back out that mm -hmm. I was like, well, I don't want to wait around. I'd actually that would be fun to have issue to issue, and maybe when I'm done reading it, you know, I can bag and board them and put them in a really cool frame, you know, and as a wall piece or something, because I, I do that with some of my issues. I actually frame them like art, you know, a lot of my older issues and stuff that I'm not oh, going to yeah, read sure. again, but I want to preserve. 
And, you know, my wife loves that. Um, when I'm like, oh, by the way, you lost more wall space today because, um, you know, the first cover of... Hey, you got to put something there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I went in there and, and I asked about Batman and they were like, oh, it's on the wall. And I look and I'm like, yeah, but which one? Cause there's, yeah, there's like 40. <laughs> oh, my God. That, yeah, like that's what you're talking about. If you're not... If you're, you know, you got a kid who comes in and he's like, oh, I want a da-da-da, and you're like, well, there's 18 green arrows this month to choose from. I mean, if you're not putting in a good 10 hours a week in, into investigating what kind of comic books you'd like to read, uh, you're not going to know what the hell you're going to read. You're just going to not even try. You're going to go into the store, and, and that's if you do still want to go into the store, and, and you're going to probably ask the comic book guy, and you're going to be like, oh, wow, um, well, which one of these and where do I start? And at that point, I mean, you're, you're going down the rabbit hole, and it's really difficult. The, the whole industry has become predicated on uh, pre-orders, and that's bad enough because uh-huh. you, don't get, you, know, you don't get enough pre-orders because previews is great, but also at the same time, previews is misleading because it's not telling you necessarily what's coming out. It's telling you what might come out if you order it. And especially past, I mean, past the first, like, even two publishers, honestly, I, I can't think of many shops that are just, just stocking all of Image and Dark Horse and IDW. Um, well, they'll, they'll stock Marvel, their standouts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's something that it, it puts everyone in kind of a tough position because it puts the retailer in a tough position because they have to order what they think will sell. And then at the same time, because there's like upwards of two to three hundred books coming out a month, um, there's going to be there's going to be so many things that just slip through the cracks, or mm-hmm. or you're going to count on, I don't even know, social media maybe, and 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 the publisher doing the the work, and then if at that point you know you're going to get some publishers wondering, you know, if I got to do all this work, why don't I just sell it direct? And that's where a lot of people are going to start going because. You know, they can't speak to a customer directly that's in a shop, but they can speak to you on the internet. And if that's where the, their primary audience is going to exist, they might as well just sell directly. And, and as soon as you start getting down that, I mean, it, it starts going down a bad path because then you're taking away all those books from the from the comic shop. But at the same time, it's tough because if a book's not being carried, you, you still got to sell it somehow. So it, it's really difficult. It, and and it's tough on the reader because they have to look through a, a ton of different books and, and a ton of storylines and who the hell has that time? It's really frustrating. So, you know, I, I hope that, uh, that with some of our stuff that, that people can at least walk in and if a shop's carrying it, um, they can, they can pick it up and see that, Oh, well, the, the cover caught me and it said something and, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and, and I really hope maybe more, uh, publishers do that and, and maybe it catches on because something's got to something's got to give uh, on all fronts. Right. Yeah. It shouldn't take you longer to pick out which book you want than it's going to take you to read the issue for that month. Like yeah, honestly, it yeah. really shouldn't. I found it overwhelming, and I've been into comics my whole life. And I looked at you know having gone into a comic shop for the first time in years, you know, last year when I started collecting again, and I was I was overwhelmed, and I figured I was somebody who kind of knew what they were doing going in there, and I walked in and looked at the new release ball, and I was like, Jesus Christ, like, <laughs> what yeah. the heck am I looking what at? What do you do? And, like, and if you take ten books, you know, I mean, ten books used to be, 
that's not that bad. But if you take ten and you're you know you're going to pay fifty bucks for them because that's that's that what you're looking at. That was the other thing at. that 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 blew my mind is I, I put together a pull box and like I picked up my first month's pull box and you know I mean I had a paper route when I was you know I mean I, like I said I'm, I'm an old school New England boy I had a paper route you know from like eight nine ten years old and had enough money to buy comics and. Yeah, like, I mean, I'd take my paper route money, take $10 out of my paper route money for that week, and buy all the comics I could read. And now, 10 bucks will get you maybe two regular monthly ones that aren't five ninety nine. and if you want, like, a special or a variant or an annual, you know, I mean, I understand that adults spend a lot of money, but, you know, it's the kid's imagination that, that really helps to keep a book alive. And if you put it financially out of their reach and then you overwhelm them, it's a shame because, yeah, there's so much stuff that content-wise at our fingertips, but it's like there's so much stuff, but the business model has put up all these artificial walls to get to something that might, <coughs> excuse me, like something you might end up loving and, and really getting into and becoming an avid collector of. Because there were just too many different things in the way. So, like, that's why I reached out to you. I I love your business model. I love the fact that your is, you know your issues are priced at what they are. I love that they have the old school feel. And you know, I mean, I, if my listener base and my Twitter base can get involved in what you're doing and prop that up, then I mean, like, mission accomplished for me because I, I love what you guys are doing. Thank you. Appreciate it. I Most mean, yeah, if anybody else is interested to, you know, tell your local comic shop about it, um, pre-order the books as well, because unfortunately, uh, most of the orders are, are, are based on, on how many people pre-order. Uh, a savvy shop will order more books when they see that someone came in to pre-order. So if that's the case and, you know, you get one person walking in there, if a store wasn't going to order any before, now they'll order, you know, five or ten. And, and, and then those sit on the shelf, and then people will spot them, and they'll pick them up, and that's how things grow. Um, so the, the the whole business is just it revolves around trying to get people to read the books, and and I think um, the price is there for it. I mean, this month of June, we've got five books. I mean, four books coming out for five fifty. Uh, and these aren't prices that are introductory prices. These aren't prices that are going to go up. It's not like a, a loss leader on an issue. Um, right. I know a lot of companies right now are doing a dollar for the first, and then it goes back to two ninety nine or three ninety nine. Um, these are going to stay what it is. The the first issue is the same price as the last. So um, it's not like a, a huge investment either, because most of these are about three to six issues on a miniseries, and then that's it. So you get the whole story, and you pay like ten bucks or less. Um, you know, that, that's less than the cost of even waiting for the trade. So it makes no sense to wait for the trade. Um, we're still going to put out trades and graphic novels and things like that. Um, those aren't going to be on newsprint. Those are going to be on um, regular uh, matte-coated stock yeah. with a nice cover and all that stuff. So if people want to have those things, because if anything, I think trades and graphic novels, put them on a bit of a premium paper stock because they're supposed to last longer, too. So you need something that'll last. You need something that'll hold up. And... Um, so that makes sense to put that there. Um, uh, but as far as single issues go, I mean, if anything, too, when it comes to collecting, uh, a big thing with collecting, you know, you don't hear about uh, a, a collection that, that's worth a ton of money uh, 
because it's all mint condition and from like the year 2000. Because everything from the year 2000 and onward is pretty much in mint condition. Because everybody's taking care of them. They're printed on really good paper. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Shoot, the you're shop's be... bag and board them for you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to be hard-pressed. That condition becomes a factor in grading. And that's a, one of the biggest factors in grading is condition, if not almost the whole factor of why you would grade a comic book. Um, but all the comics that are on newsprint... I mean, newsprint is the kind of thing that eats itself away, basically. Um, it's going to take a really long time if it's kept nice. It's going to take a really long time for it to eat away at itself. But it's still going to do it. I mean, that's where the smell comes from. That's where a lot of stuff comes from. Um, it's the ink breaking down with the paper and everything else. So uh, all that conditioning that goes into grading, it kind of doesn't matter for the past 20 years worth of comics unless, you know, everyone's beaten up their comics. And I don't know anyone that's really doing that. But with newsprint, you know, these books, picking out something that's really mint and and really in a good condition, it's it's something again. It's something that's going to factor into the grading. It's going to make the books, even on a collector, um, it's going to make them worth more. So you could even buy two, buy a reader copy and buy one that you want to keep and get graded. I mean, that's a possibility. And you're still going to pay less than most comics. So, I mean, we get tons of people saying that to us as well, that they bought two for that that reason. Mm -hmm. But... um, you know, a lot of comics right now, it's just, it's tough because they're being treated as collectibles first and entertainment and, and things to read as second. Uh, part of the reason that I don't like variant covers a lot is because of that. Because you're, you're basically just paying for a print that no one's going to care about what the hell's on the inside of that print. Right. It's, it's just, it only matters what the cover is. Because so it's if the that's same the case, book, but it costs you yeah. like five, ten bucks more. <laughs> right. Like. Yeah, you know. Uh, so... It becomes that the story is, is is more and more meaning less and less, and and that's a sad thing. Especially as a creator, it's really sad to. It doesn't matter what the hell your story is, as long as there's variant covers that go along with it, it'll sell. That's an awful message to send, and that's the kind of message that's going on right now with comics. And mm-hmm. it's it's creating a lot of storylines that people are frustrated with when they actually do read these things, and it's creating. Uh, a lack of growth in in the core readership that sticks around. There's re- there's growth in readership for people that are trying out books and people that are branching out into indie. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the main readership, because I don't know if people realize it or not, but you absolutely need Marvel and DC to create amazing, great books because they're the ones that primarily get people into a comic shop and allow that comic shop to take a chance on your indie book. So right. when they don't deliver the standard that needs to be there, it hurts everyone. So, you know, let's say someone doesn't like the way uh, Captain America is a popular one right now. Someone's not liking Captain America right now. <laughs> Chances are, if Captain America sales are hurting, that now affects the bottom line for the comic shop. So now they can't really take that chance on an indie title because they don't have that money coming in that they count on from Marvel and DC, which still, even with everybody else doing really well, they still have a stranglehold on market share. They just do. Right. I mean, yeah, you can't I mean, even argue yeah. it. Yeah. It's something like every month between the two of them, it's 70 to 80%. So Jesus. You need, you need them to kind of bring their A game so that people go to the shop. And when people go to the shop, they'll discover other books. So that's, that's when you come in to, you know, you, you bring in what you can do best, and hopefully you catch their attention as well. 
But if that doesn't start at the top, then no one's coming in the shop. No one's reading a book. No one cares. And then the shops go go under, which has happened the past couple of years. Yep. And it, it's affecting people in a big way. So everyone feels it when, when the big two don't deliver. I, I know Indy likes to think that they're safe and they're outside of that, but they're not. Like like any any indie creator right now that thinks that they are is completely fooling themselves. Right. So it's important to realize that as much as we all compete with each other, we also have to help each other out and care. So, I mean, that's even a part two why in the alternative books. I'm open to putting different creators and, and indie publishers in there. We've got um, Chapter House uh, that does Captain Canuck. We've got them doing advertisement we've done uh a lot of stuff with other indie guys and self-published people and this and that so you know anything that grows the industry as a total and, and makes people just interested is is a good thing as far as i'm concerned i mean there's no reason to play greedy with it there's there's more than enough things to go around right see right there that should be the seminar for every comic book workshop for <laughs> for, for people to hear because I'll tell you what, uh, the current state of the industry has actually pushed me to indie books. It's almost made me punk rockly defiant. Um, you know, I mean, I'll always have, you know, I, there, there's no way I, I'd never not love Batman. Um, Tom King's current run on Batman is ridiculous. But overall, you know, we talk about the two bigs, and their current business model has really pushed me almost exclusively to indie. Indie it's, labels it's tough and to indie su- style yeah, books, it's, honestly. It's tough to support, too, because you, you can't help but feel like they must know what they're doing. I mean, they're all very intelligent people over there, you know. It, so you, you know what you're doing, and at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're, you're taking advantage of your core readership, and, and, and you're kind of crapping all over them. And well, it's like Activision and EA with video that? games. Yeah, they're like, we can yeah. put out whatever the heck we want. Here's Call of Duty 5000. You suckers are going to buy it. You know, yeah. here, here's Madden 2580. You guys are going to buy it. You know, 59.99. Sure, it's the same game with a different skin on it as last year, but you're still lining up. And and I've noticed that too. Like in the video game industry, like when you're talking about pre-orders, um, you know, you go to your video game store, and a new game comes out. If you didn't pre-order it, they didn't. They bought five extra copies, and every other, you know disc for that brand new game that everybody's clamoring for that goes only to the pre-order guys the, i mean i i'm the game stop near me um when a new game comes out if you didn't plunk down that five dollars for the pre-order there's a good chance you're waiting for that game um unless you go to like a big box store and even then now they have these little cards that you take to pre-order and that's it's like a comic it's like you were talking about with the comic book shop um you know how many how many copies of that game they bought is basically whatever the pre-order was plus 10. You yeah. Know? So it's, yeah, so like people are missing yeah. out, people are yeah. Like it's a it's a it's a tough catch 22 situation because um it's something that we deal with all the time with distribution um and and I understand it on some level and then on some level uh, from a business standpoint I, I, it makes no sense to me and and that is the idea of a, a speculative purchase, and they feel that they need a sure thing. Um, to me, as far as, as things go, you, you can have, you can have a, a really well-known, really well-selling person, and you still don't necessarily know if that thing is going to sell. Um, 
everything right. is a speculative purchase. Uh, so when it's applied only in context, um, for the most part, with, with something that isn't a, a major brand or, or something like that, it's very frustrating because a lot of these things um, that are dynamite, huge, you know, mega power things now, no one knew about them at some point. And everyone's forgetting that. Everyone's forgetting the fact that, you know, everybody started somewhere. Even these giant corporations that are making billions of dollars on properties, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, all those guys, they weren't household names when they made Spider-Man or, you know, Fantastic Four or whatever. They they were nobodies. They were, you know, Jack Kirby and all those artists, they were, they were ad uh, cartoonists and they were looking for work and they were picking up extra jobs mm-hmm. and... and it's it's the reason comics were like priced what they were priced at and no one gave a crap about them which is why they were worth money when eventually the properties took off so it's i mean the history helps but it, at the same time it, it feels like that same understanding isn't being applied still when there's something new that comes along and it's not given a shot and, it's, and it just it's seems really like not. yeah you're right you're yeah 100 it just well, I mean, seems like, like people uh, that word of mouth yeah. People forget the frickin' sell-off in the 90s. Yeah, Stan yeah. Lee sold damn near everything except the B-teams. You know, and, and you know what? Kudos to Marvel Studios for building a multi-billion dollar film franchise off of the B and C and D-teams. Because, you know, I mean, th- like you said, think about how, how much the Guardians of the Galaxy comic books are on everybody's lips now. Now go back yeah, to I mean, pre the first movie coming out. In the 90s, and yeah, right. I mean... Who the hell knew about the Nova Corps <laughs> <see>. until... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, pe- people were like, oh yeah, I know who Doomsday is, because they made a big deal about him killing Spider-Man, I mean Superman, but nobody knew, you know, nobody gave a crap who Thanos was, nobody knew who Darkseid was, nobody, you know, and now it's like, everybody's like, oh yeah, the thing and the thing, and you're like, no, the business model they're using now is because of that success from the movie franchises, but, I mean, when I was collecting, the only thing that was blowing up when I was collecting was X-Men and their weird obsession with fake foil covers with holograms on it. And I think Marvel just had a hologram obsession in the 90s. And um, Spawn had just come up, and everybody thought it was so punk rock to like Spawn. You know, so, like... The the current yeah. climate for comics for me, I'm seeing as a new entity in the business, having been an old school collector going away for a while, and then coming back recently, it, it's a completely different world than what I had as a kid. And I think, you know, a lot of what made it special, and, and maybe it's just maybe it's just an old man looking backwards, you know, but a lot of what made it special seems to be gone. To me, yeah. Well, you know, the same thing can apply to everything else. You know, it's the same. It's the same concept with movies and music. It's the same type of thing. It's it's that um, what made something stand out before uh, it has become the norm at this point, and everyone's become complacent. No one's thinking, you know, oh, let's do something, you know, cool and fun, and then make it, you know, speak to people. Um, a lot of the stuff, even if it sells well, because that's, that's that's the thing that kills it is when it sells well, and it and it kind of shows that see we don't need to really push the bar at all. We can just kind of let it be. Um, 
that trickles down to, to everything. Mm-hmm. And eventually it, it speaks to the people at the top at all these types of stores where they're in charge of purchasing. So they see that, well, what's the reason to try out a new product when this one sells fine still because everyone still, you know, is all about it. Right. But at the same time, they're not listening to what's actually going on, which is the the rumblings of the fact that most of the people are are buying it begrudgingly. Um, I mean, it's it's really popular to buy comic books to just to just hate on them. It looks like half the time. I mean, it's it's crazy. It, I mean, <laughs> social media, dude. Has, social yeah. media has. I swear, it's like, you know, uh, how do I keep it as family friendly as possible? What social media has done to everything. In my opinion, um, it's like the STD-riddled prostitute that everybody can't help but buy on a Friday night. Like you know, like it's infected everything—movies and comics and music and TV and video games and toys—and the ability to have a conversation with someone in the open where you express an opinion, and suddenly somebody's going to be like. I disagree with that, but instead of saying I disagree with that, I'm going to open his mouth and just take the biggest crap down his throat that I can. And I, I, I forget, I had another content creator on, and I was talking about, like, the current consumer climate is somebody, they show up with this thing in their hands that they've made, and they're like, look at my beautiful thing. And because of, the, like, the social climate right now, Instead of being like, oh, wow, well, that's a cool thing. I, I, it's not my thing, but that's a cool thing. And other people being like, wow, what a thing. Do you, do you make more of it so I can have it? No, now, like, society's propensity is to be like, everybody grab your hammers and let's kill that thing he made. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. Know? It really is. you got to have um, – it, it was bad enough. You always used to have to have a thick skin in any right. kind of – creative uh field but um in this day and age it, it can seem so much more magnified because you're doing you're doing these things and maybe you get two or three people that that view you know have some kind of view on it that they don't they don't like it and they maybe they harp on it and it just feels like it's a ton of people for whatever reason it feels like you know someone says it on the internet and that means that a million people hate you even if it's just one person saying something um and it's 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 tough to 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 keep that perspective though that you know one person ten people a hundred people even is just that's all it is, right. and sometimes it's people especially that just they just love to just say stuff they don't even know what the hell they're talking about or even mean what they're talking about they just love to just say something, and it's 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 really weird though when it becomes um, really just valued advice for some reason. By by companies and 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 people that are creating these things, um, to listen to every single complaint and take it and try to rectify it because you you can't you just you can't do that. Right. Um, and you want to be like, one thing when, do you see how dumb social media is? Can you yeah. stop using that to gauge your business model? Maybe that's and, and why everything's so cheap, hollow, and disposable right. now. If uh, if if you're a person that's making really stupid, you know, comments and you're getting torn apart, that's a completely different process than if you're a company, you made a product, and because people don't like it or don't agree with it, they're going to tear you apart. I mean, all you got to do is just look at, you know, well, does this thing sell? What's being affected by it? And and kind of move forward. But it's such a knee-jerk reaction nowadays to um, to comments 
from people that half the time they don't even read the article or they don't even, you know, buy your product even. They just, you know, some clickbait headline um, was put up and now there's reaction to just really that headline most of the time is what happens. So it's it's tough and and it's it's really it's really odd to see that turn um into such a into such a big kind of mob mentality taking over and and really swaying what businesses do. It's it's, um, it's a funny thing when you read um the old letter columns in like Marvel comics. And they they're always getting ragged on by people. They they're always people there tearing them apart or or picking apart something or but they just kind of handle it with like a sense of humor and they move on. And I wonder when that happened, that, that they decided we don't have a sense of humor anymore. We're just going to be super serious and we're going to treat your concerns. Right. Yeah, we're going to treat your concerns as if we're actually causing you some kind of harm. And we're going to try to, you know, take care of it for you. And it, it's, it's become so weird. And it's, it's not just customer service. That, that's above and beyond because... Y- when when you right. have art by committee, you know it never does well. When you have art made by everyone, no, you know, it's it's so you know you have your vision. If your vision doesn't work with with what people want, it, it is what it is. Sometimes yeah, that's how you find the great stuff, if anything. So it's 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 really tough when it seems like, uh, and I think if anything, that probably is why there's so many reboots and remakes. Um, oh, they keep so trying to do that. it. Keep trying to do it over again. Maybe someone will like it some more this time around, and you know that kind of mentality. Yeah, like um, what what PC checkboxes can we can we add to this formula to see if maybe that works because it reson it resonates with some part of a demographic that have artificially considered themselves a protected class, and you know like. Yeah. And, and between that and yeah, between that and the gimmicks of the variant covers and 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 the fact that a number one will always sell a lot and and you know all that other crap that that's that's kind of really difficult to overcome at times. Um, it's it's really just poisoning a lot of things and it's it's tough. It's, it's it really is. It's tough as a creator to see that happen. Um, it's tough as a, as a fan to see that happen because first and foremost, every comic creator is a fan. Um, you don't mm-hmm. make comics because you you think you're going to get rich. I mean, wow, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you do it because you're a fan because you love it. So exactly, uh, not the kid that's like, I'm going to be a movie star and be a millionaire. I'm going to be a pop star. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to draw a comic book and oh crap, ramen again. Like it's <laughs> like you know, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. To love you know, so you, you obviously have an an unimaginable amount of love to to dedicate yourself to to that kind of a thing, you know. And this goes for every single creator out there, Marvel, DC, indie, doesn't matter. Um, but at the same time, it's it's really. It, it's like there's a disconnect that eventually occurs between being creator and being a, a fan and being someone who reads these things. And it seems like eventually that all that stuff just kind of turns into a, a big editorial, corporate, garbled mess. Yep. And, you know, it, you don't even know what the hell to do anymore because if anything, you see a lot of the times on social media as well with creators that are coming out in defense of other creators that, you know their story and i mean i know it firsthand with a lot of things as well um you you'll have a story and it'll it'll go to somebody else and then they'll do whatever they want to do with it and you're kind of at their mercy now and it's those people that that have that power that that they they're putting creators at at their mercy 
um, it's kind of shaping a lot of things in a, in a very big way. And, and it's not really, it's obviously not really driving that well with a lot of people. And, um, but for some reason they keep on sticking with it and it's, it's odd. It's odd to see that usually when, when things at least, um, don't pan out that well, you, you kind of take a couple steps back and you, you re-examine what you could have done different. And yeah. And, and it seems like that doesn't really happen as much anymore. And, um, and it's it's a it's a self righteousness that it feels like well you know we're doing the right thing you just don't realize it and and it's kind of odd um, to see see that occur so often in comic books. Oh yeah, I, I watched people the the uh, you know like like you were talking about the changes to the Captain America character, and you know you see the the negative reaction from one part of the populace, and basically they're being told that they're just not smart enough to get the changes. I've seen that a lot. You know, well, back in the day, back, yeah, back in maybe the 80s and even the 90s, what would have happened with that same storyline would have been that Cap got kidnapped by Hydra and got brainwashed. And that would have been it. Right. And that would have been the explanation. And that eventually you know they're going to get him and he's going to be fine and he's going to, you know, but right now right. he's probably doing some bad shit. But that's not <laughs> the case with this storyline. It's it's kind of you know doing what it's doing and um, it's a and it, it used to be that. Of a character. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 an odd thing because it started coming around I think a lot when the first uh, Marvel Civil War happened with a, this really big craze of of heroes fighting heroes and the villains mm-hmm. don't even take advantage of that aspect. For some reason, the villains are completely fine to just let the heroes fight each other without taking over the situation and and kind of getting in there and messing it up themselves. Um, and then the heroes coming to their senses, which is usually what happened all the time with hero on hero battles back in, back in the day. Cause that's just logic. It's just, that's what makes sense. Um, but when it became that, you know, all these heroes should kind of just fight each other and, instead of fighting villains and villains, it was almost like you couldn't make villains evil. Like that was a bad thing to make it that, you know, you could have a, a bad character that, that does bad things and it's justified when someone that's a good character comes along and puts them in their place. Like, that kind of thing went out of fashion for some reason. And um, it turned into, like, this more kind of sensationalized, you know, who's really the right person and who's really on the right side. And as soon as you take that morality spin and you go down that, forget it, because it, it changes the whole entire landscape of everything you can't have anyone who's actually viewed as a good person or a good character anymore. They're all just varying degrees of bad. And, and Oh my God, do you know how much hate I've gotten for speaking those same points and saying it's fine to tell, you know, like to, to have your alternate history stories, but what happened? Why can't people just be good guys anymore? Why can't there just be bad guys anymore? Like, and, and you utter that out loud as somebody who grew up loving this medium, and all these young, these young people and, and these new fans—they just—they act like you're you're just a dumb troglodyte, archaic old man screaming at the air. And no, it really does, because I mean, you know, you can't like the Joker. The fact that people would root for the Joker to win today. And, and they would. And, and, you know, if your finger's on the pulse of comics, you know it. Like, that makes no sense to me. Like, 
yeah, like character studies of him. He's a very interesting and definitely a cool. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a charismatic creation. character, you know. But and now and it's become like that, but yeah, it, but but and, and look at the tones of the movies. You know, I remember when I was a kid, the coolest thing in the world was, oh my god, maybe someday something will happen, I'll end up being a superhero. Now you can't have that without like it being this like Xanax-inducing depression. Because you're a superhero, and and I actually said that the other day, um, and started getting comments from people who were like, "Sorry, you just like your art to be safe," and sorry, and I was like, "Well, what?" Like all I said was, "Tell a story once in a while where it's you know good guys and bad guys. It doesn't always have to be this existential dumpster fire shit fest, uh, you know, of like." sad superheroes where the real villain is their malaise. <laughs> well, I, th- you know? I think like, a lot of that is because I think I think a lot of, the, uh, especially getting in a lot of indie writers at Marvel and DC, um, they bring a sensibility to it. And I think they, they try to ground a lot of these characters uh, to the point that uh, the more you ground a superhero type character the worst that a character gets because you start questioning the whole entire reality that the character is based on. You know, there's no way Batman has all the things he has in his belt. There's no way he does half the shit he does wearing what he wears and being as fast as he is. And, you know, and then that's just Batman. So you you multiply that by everything else and forget about it. But, um, when it comes to grounded, uh, stories, like if people really want to read, um, like for instance, uh, my, my book, the chair, it's, it's got moral ambiguity everywhere. There's no such thing as a, as really a truly good or bad character. And it's, it's, it's more grounded in reality because it's, it's just shades of gray everywhere, you know? Right. But like the, as far as superheroes go, you do need, you do need that character, um, like a Superman who's, He's he's above it. He's outside of it. He sees the good in people. He thinks he could help them and this and that or whatever. Right. You need, you need a boy scout if, for if, every antihero. Yeah, exactly. Because if anything, I mean, that would have been that would have been awesome to see that kind of a Superman interact with the kind of Batman they have now in in the film. Because if anything, now it's like, well, Superman's really dark. So how dark now does Batman have to get? Batman has to turn into the Punisher to get darker than Superman. Thank you. He killed the and, crap out of people in BVS, and I'm like, wait, 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 yeah. wait. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, as soon as you get that, but it, it's so much more interesting. I don't care what the hell these characters do. They're not even real people. Right. <laughs> it's so much more interesting right. when uh, when you have a character and a story set up where they're at polar opposite ends, but they find ways to work together. Because that kind of theme rings true to the world as well. You know, we're all different. We just have to find yep. a way to make the best of it and not kill each other. Dark and, and that kind of you know, that kind of stuff is, is what makes comic books great when they transcend just what the characters are going through into what, you know, the whole human condition is. And that's why superheroes were awesome to read as a kid. You know, you felt like you were on the outside. You felt like, you know, no one's picking up comic books at the time um, when they were booming um, because you think I'm going to be. I'm going to be such a cool kid right now. I'm going to be so popular. That wasn't the case. <laughs> no, you know, it when wasn't. Growing up, you <laughs> no, know, it wasn't. It's, and it wasn't like you read comic books and then you didn't become the popular kid. It's, you turned to comic books because you weren't the popular kid because you, you felt like you were on the outside. You felt like you, you didn't quite fit in. You, you felt like, you know, there's got to be like, you know, some, some world out there that makes sense to me. And comic books make sense because of the fact that 
you know, in this world, people that appear to be powerless actually have power, and they can control things, and they can do good, and they can rise above challenges, you know, and, and that's why everything with superheroes appealed to people. Um, and it's not like it appealed to a hundred people or something. It appealed to millions of people. So, exactly. uh, that, that concept is just, it's true to everyone. If everyone really sits there and thinks about it, who the hell doesn't feel like that at some point in their life? Like you're on the outside, like you don't fit in even the, I mean, we've all seen breakfast club. And if we haven't, I mean, anyone's listening to this, hasn't seen breakfast club, go fucking watch that movie. Yeah. You really need um, to fix your shit. You know? Because uh, we've all felt, no matter who you, who you are and anything else, we, we all have our problems. We all feel odd at, at, at our place in the world. And, you know, comic books just kind of transcended that as well, just like any other great story. Um, and that was a big reason that they spoke to me. I know that's a big reason they speak to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and at the heart of every story, you, you have to have something that has something that relates to some, someone. If your story is completely unrelatable and you're just making something that that's like absolutely insane, it's going to be a hard sell. I mean, it's possible. It, there's definitely things like that that exist. But um, as far as you know, why comic books and superheroes are popular and things like that, I mean, that's why it's because it's because people related to them and because of the fact that they made people feel like like they just weren't as alone as they thought they were. It's it's the way like any good song, you know, kind of makes you feel like wow, someone mm-hmm. else gets what I'm feeling, like that kind of thing. And and all these characters, that's what they did for people. So when when you lose that and when you get away from that, um and and you make you make the creation almost seem as if it's secondary to the to the creator, it be, it becomes it becomes a kind of a weird thing. Because and I'm a creator owned guy through and through. But there's there's something that's still odd to me about the fact that a big name creator sells a book more than the creator does. Um, you know, like you need that big name. It, it's so weird. It's so weird to me that 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 prevalence occurs so much in um, in anything that has to do with creating uh, a fictional world and things like that. Um, it's it's a weird thing in comics when you see. Um, one creator that's working on like 12 titles and and they're all at like marvel or something like that and and, i mean growing up you'd see certain creative teams on certain books and they felt like they all had their own unique voice for that reason um now a lot of the time they feel like they're just all the same kind of voice just you know it's just a different skin on the character and and it's kind of odd from a storytelling perspective um as to to how focused are these these plot lines really becoming because it just seems like everything is really at the helm of editorial and as soon as everything just becomes editorial driven and not like oh we have to make sure that this is the right blue on spider-man and and things like that i mean that doesn't even happen anymore at marvel anyway but um as soon as you lose that flow and that that continuity that that's supposed to occur um it becomes really difficult to start believing in, in the fact that, that there's a universe of characters, that there's all these other things that, inv- that are involved. So it's, it's tough. But, uh, you know, indie books are great for that reason. You know, if you don't want to get involved with the continuity of, of, of bigger uh, superhero things or superheroes don't speak to you, there's tons of great indie books out there um, that are tackling diversity and morality and all sorts of issues that, that maybe superhero books wish they could tackle with the same kind of um, effortlessness. Right. But, you know, that's what you got to turn to. you got to turn to indie stuff because 
that's that's where all those kind of themes exist in such a strong way and such a true way as well um, that you're just not going to get at you know coming out of uh, Spider-Man or, or Superman nowadays. It's just not going to happen because they care to appeal to as many people as possible, and so the message right, is going to be watered the down. Risk on the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, but and see, and that's why, like I said a couple times, like that's why I reached out to you to, to have you on because you're, you're the business model for for your label. Um, like I said, I'm reading a couple of of your books. I'm not just oh wow, they have a cool business model. Let me have them on. But I actually started reading some of your books and got sucked into them immediately. Um, it really is a breath of fresh air. Because, I mean, I and some yeah, people Yeah, they're just can, like fun escapist stuff, right. you know? And and some people can listen to what you and I have talked about. Men like, oh man, Happy Haven got real deep this time. But no, it, it it's stuff that, that, that needs to be said. And I really wish that, you know, they would address what, we, what we're talking about. And maybe pe- people will wake up and be like, oh, I don't need to be beholden to just two publishers. That there's this whole other world out there of different kinds of stories and different content. And, you know, I mean, for music, I hope to God that there's a kid in a garage somewhere who's going to be the godfather of the next, you know, like, grunge movement. Like, I hope that there's someone tinkering in a garage that brings a new video game formula that revolutionizes and, you know, I have you guys on because, it, to me, you you and other indie houses, but you more than the others stand out as the person that I want in a garage thinking about how to reground and bring back to what people loved about the comic book industry, honestly. I appreciate um, that. That means a lot. Yeah, like, you're my... <clears throat> your, your label is my holy crap. Have you heard of this band named Mud Honey yet? You know, like have you have you heard of have you heard this this group called Soundgarden coming out of the the West Coast that isn't an L.A. hair metal band, but they're a West Coast band. But holy crap, you know, like the first time you hear Alice in Chains, and you're like, oh, it's not all girls, girls, girls in Aquanet. Like th- there's this whole there's this whole other venue here that is way more original, has creativity coming out of the rafters, and is a complete escape from how mundane everything else has gotten. And, you know, you guys and just a couple others have really caught my attention because I've, I've basically almost been completely turned off by the comic book industry as a whole, which sucks because I love the crap out of comic books. And artists that are still working that worked when I was a kid I look up to and I've actually had one on I I had Brett Booth from DC on and you know yeah I'd love to have you know I reach out to Norm Ratman I'd love to have Greg Capullo on and you know like I I really would because of my I I have um, an episode with Eric Larson um, the creator of Savage Dragon and when we first Mm -hmm. started that one I was so friggin tongue tied talking to him because you know it's eric larson and for a 90 80s 90s comic kid that that's a big name you know and 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I still talk to them and would love to talk to them out of deference, but the current business models of a lot of the publishers are just... I don't know. I, I kind of got turned off. Like, I, I tried to get back into it and very quickly was like, uh eh. I don't, I don't like the world that's been recreated. It's not what I remember. And, and like I said earlier, maybe it's just an old man looking backwards. But I just remember it being a lot more fun and a lot more accessible. And, you know, y'all's label is, is that right now. It is fun and it's definitely accessible. You know, Thank and, you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Like I said, even with the serious stories... Um, we're still trying to keep them uh, fun in terms of it's still escapist stuff. It's not anything that's you know right. beating you over the head with with something. You don't have to to spend God knows how long uh, researching history of something, or you know you could just kind of pick it up and, and read and enjoy, and then get the next one and, and so on. And um, and especially at, at the at the price of a, of a buck fifty, it's 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 a hard thing exactly. to argue if you read comics. Um, you know we've got. Uh, next week we've got Trespasser and, and Mother Russia coming out, and uh, those are the first issues of both. Um, both are, are phenomenal, great, great books. Um, probably probably two of the best ones at Alterna in terms of um, just complete package type stuff. Uh, so I hope people check them out. I mean, it's it's three bucks for for both of them. So you know, it's that's kind of crazy. You can't you can't really argue with that. And uh, and the fact that there there are four issues for a trespasser, three issues for Mother Russia. So, you know, you're looking at I think what is that four fifty for Mother Russia to get the whole story, and then mm-hmm. six bucks for trespasser. So, you know, something like that. It just we just want people to read the books, and we just want people to enjoy them, and 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 not feel like, you know, that, that weird kind of buyer's remorse you get from a lot of comics lately, where, uh, you know, and that's the thing too with indie. Indie's hard because every indie book's different. You know, I know I know right. every Marvel and DC book's different as well, but indie more than anything, um, even within a publisher, um, like at Alterna, you know, Lilith Dark is a million miles different from Mother Russia. Um, even though you can have the same person that enjoys both or whatever, it's still very different. And so if, if you get burned or if you feel you got burned by indie and let's say you spent like five bucks on a book, I mean, that's going to be tough to, to keep making that, that leap until you eventually don't make it anymore because you're like, how many times can I just burn through five bucks on something I don't like? Right. And, you know, a dollar fifty if 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 you don't like the book, that's fine. You know, that that's everyone likes what they like. But at least you don't have to have that feeling like, oh my God, I, I spent like how much money did I just spend right now? I could have bought this other thing. You know, I could I could have had dinner tonight, you know? So, like, I just took it. <laughs> I just took it for this thing and you know, and, and of course, I'm not trying to undersell the fact that uh, that it takes a lot of time and effort to create these things. But it does. you yeah. know, that's that's where volumized sales come in, um, because if the if the industry had the sales to command um, what they should be commanding, I mean, comic books are everywhere more than more than at any point in history right now. Comic properties are everywhere, and they are big money. And it's very odd that they're not in more places. And, um, you know, so we're trying with the whole newsprint thing to get into newsstands as well. And, and we'll have those coming out in, um, in a bunch of Barnes and Nobles and, and Books a Million and a bunch of other like convenience stores and things like that in July. Um, we're going to be doing a small test market. It's about like 500 stores throughout the country and, and a couple in England and uh, in Australia. But, um, 
it's something that you know we just don't see comics outside of a comic shop anymore and and that's that's kind of weird you know um any place they sell a magazine you should be able to pick up a copy of just even if it was spider-man or superman or whatever you should be able to pick up a comic book um anywhere that they have a magazine and the Mm -hmm. fact that that doesn't occur and comics are just kind of kept in like this little corner at a comic shop and if you don't have one in your area you you don't even know what a comic book is unless you just decide you just want to order them all online and even then you know there's only so many things you can see in order it's still a different shopping process to shop for stuff like that um i mean think about like that that's the same thing as you're you're buying a, a a movie on dvd or whatever it is uh without even seeing a trailer or anything you're just going to buy it that's like what it is shopping for comics online you know maybe you see a page or two maybe sometimes they don't have anything so it's 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 a really weird thing that comics aren't in more places and i and I, i i hope that eventually they will be but at the same time i mean how how much better do comics gotta do uh, we're talking right. about billions, billions upon billions of dollars that these things generate, and and they still have a tough time getting in places. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough, but you got to support your, your comic shops if you got them, and hopefully, if you see our books at, at a newsstand, and and you know, pick them up over there too, and 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 maybe more publishers will, will sign on. I mean, that'd be great to see more books. I mean, I'm all about seeing places filled with comics i'm not about <laughs> no we got to be on top and everybody else has to kind of be wherever right um this is this is about growing the industry and growing uh comic readership because if you don't grow uh comic readers uh you're going to eventually lose comic creators and that's what's happening with with the business is that you're going to have people in 10 or 20 years where it's like Where's the next wave of of people that want to create these things? Because with social media being so prevalent, it, word of mouth is getting prevalent too. That you know distribution is is tough. It's it's a tough system. And mm-hmm. maybe if you're creating comics, maybe you're just someone who goes to you know Kickstarter all the time only to get your stuff out there. And that's a very viable method. Um, you know, it shouldn't be easier to sell your comic on Kickstarter than it is to sell it through comic distribution. I mean, that's something that that as an industry we really got to take a look at because it's not gonna it's not gonna grow what needs to be grown. It's gonna keep feeding what's there, and, but where's the next ones to come up? You know, who are we inspiring? And right, it's, exactly. It's, a, it's about that. So, hopefully, you know, I mean, hopefully these books get to people and, and makes them wanna wanna pick out. You know, another book maybe even they save some money on ours, and they're like, "Hey, I'll I'll get another book from this other publisher and try them out." You know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. That's great to see. It's great to hear about, and um, and I love seeing pictures of of our books amidst a stack of indie books on online. We get tons of pictures like that, and that's great to see that so many people are reading a bunch of other publishers as well. So, you know, it's just it's just nice to see people reading comics, and it's nice to see them enjoying them, and uh, and I hope that they continue to do so. Most definitely. I'll tell you what, you guys have, on, on, when, when I first went on, on the website a while ago, but before I reached out, and it's still up, for anybody listening, you sign up for the newsletter, and you, there's an offer for, what, what is it, what is it, 30? 
Yeah, you get 30 digital 30, comics. For free. Dude, <laughs> you know, like, who does that anymore? That blew my mind. I signed up, like, immediately. I was like, that, no way. And then, like, boom, you get the email, and you're like, holy crap. Like, that's amazing, dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Comixology's been great for that. It's It's been, I mean, they're probably the biggest retailer of comics on the planet in terms of, of scope and in terms of Yo. what they carry. Um, you know, so they've been great with, with being able to offer so many free issues, and we've got a couple on there that are, are downloadable uh, PDFs as well. I think four or five of them, I think. But, um, you know, it gives people something to try. It gives them uh, test the waters a bit, and you can just... All it costs is an email address, and, and if you hate us and you don't want to sign up anymore and you don't want to have to do it, just unsubscribe from the next newsletter, and that's it. And, you know, hopefully you like what you read and, and you like our newsletters as well because they're always filled with um, some good information about what's coming out and, and, and stuff like that. So yep. it's, it's a very, very small cost to pay to get 30 free comics. I mean, I, I don't think anyone else – I've seen five, and I've seen, I've seen like one or two here and there that are offered – but um, uh, no one's no one's offering anything close to what we're offering. <laughs> thirty guys, your email address gets you thirty comic books. How do you argue with that on social media? You know, <laughs> and, and you know what I mean. To the, yeah, to the testament of the creators too. I mean, because because I can't do it without their consent. Um, right. They just want to get their stuff read. You know, like money's great. But, I mean, we're talking about a lot of guys at Alterna, if not almost every single one of them. They've got day jobs. They're doing multiple books. They're doing, you know, everything they can to just position themselves to be able to do what they're doing with comics. And, you know, getting their stuff read more than anything, that, that's what matters to them. So, you know, sign up for the for the newsletter and, and, and read some of them because, seriously, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to to find a better deal in comics. So if you find one, please let me know so we can rip them off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because I've not finding anyone better. I, I'm the kind of guy that like you put like the price a penny lower than the guy on Amazon, you know, like that kind of thing, just so that you're the lowest price. So it's like, if someone's offering 31, I want to offer 32, you know, I mean, I, we got to do what we got to do, but it's like, I I haven't seen a better offer yet. I really haven't. I so, haven't either, man. I haven't either. Like that sold me on you guys so much when I saw that. I was like, "Holy cow, that is amazing!" Plus, it's confidence in what you're doing. I mean, it it shows the heart in what's being put out by Alterna. You know? Yeah, and, and like I said, that's fine if people don't like what they read. I'm not expecting you know every every single book here to be for everybody. I, I think that's kind of nuts if you really think you're making something for everyone. Um, but we definitely do have books that we have all kinds of genres. We got superhero, sci-fi, horror, fantasy. We got everything everywhere um, for all ages too, all kinds of ages. So it's not like it's. Uh, Alterna is a really hard-to-define publisher, and um, that hurts and helps us because it's not like you know necessarily every single time you open up an Alterna book what you're getting into. But at the same time, um, there's there's kind of like a, a fun aspect to that because it, it always keeps people on their toes, and, 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 and they never know what they're going to get. They just know that it's going to at least be quality. So as long as people know that they're at least getting something quality and that people care about making um, and that the creators are all about what they're creating... Um, people have been happy with it. So I think, you know, what we're doing is, is 
is just trying to focus on on making quality stories that that keep people you know entertained for a half hour or an hour or however long they're reading them for and um and hopefully they move on to the next one i dig it man i really do so where can people find you uh, they can find me on on Twitter um, at Peter Sametti, and they can also find Alterna on uh, Alterna Comics as well on Twitter and and pretty much everywhere on social media. It's just Alterna Comics. Um, right now, we've got a promotion where we're giving away a graphic novel every month to uh, someone on social media that takes a picture of the comics that they got. All you got to do is take a picture of it and post it anywhere on social media, tw- uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and tag. Um, Tag us in it, of course, but also use the hashtag bring back newsprint and let us know what store you got it from because we want to also promote the stores that are supporting us as well because without those stores, we just, we wouldn't be anywhere. So I think it's really important that people understand, you know, it's, is as much as it's important to create, uh, to support creators and publishers, you got to support the stores too. So, um, as long as they do all that, it's all on the website, alternacomics.com. I mean, you, you have a chance of getting a free graphic novel every month. So, um, I hope people do that. Heck yeah, man. So, yeah, I mean, like I was saying, guys, if, if you want to break from, from, from what we were talking about and how overwhelming it can be and just get into some, Good comics at a way more than fair price with a really cool business model and you like that old school feel to your books or you like to read them digitally. Um, I, I honestly think you, you, you can't go wrong with this with this publisher here. Um, I'll try to comics. I'm 100% behind them. Uh, love the business model. Love the books that are coming out. Um, you know, sign up for that newsletter. And get yourself some samplings of what they've got. And then, you know, like he said, push it at, at, at your local comic store if they're not already covering it. You know, let's build let's build a community for that. Um, getting them out there in, in more and more comic stores and definitely helping them with their online presence. Um, I really appreciate you, you, you coming on and being so candid. I, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of comic creators there... They, they, they almost don't want to talk about the state of the industry, I guess, for fear of reprisal or, you know, so, you know, for me, um, thank you for being so open and willing to talk to me about, you know, an honest conversation about comics. I know maybe. We'll yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's tough because a lot of people, uh, I think when when. It's it's hard not to be emotional about it or or angry about uh, or, or frustrated about a situation, but you know it all comes from a, a good place. It comes from the fact that people care. If they didn't care, they wouldn't be upset about the way something is going. And um, and and I think that if the business itself, as far as comics are concerned, if if we just kind of all just took a step back and we we thought more of well what could we do for the readers what could we do for the the retailers involved you know um what'll make what'll make these books in people's hands and that they're reading them as long as that's your thought first and foremost um it's very rare that you're going to make a misstep and you know if you make a misstep and and something goes you know askew you kind of correct it and you move on but um yeah i mean diamond i've talked to my brand manager about stuff that i'm mentioning on the show so it's not even like i'm really candid as far as talking to them it all comes from a place of i just care 
you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to tear them apart. You know, uh, it's when you're frustrated, you're frustrated, but it's because you're trying to succeed. You're trying to care. You're trying to build something and you're trying to get these stories out to people. So, yeah, I mean, when people are, uh, are, are afraid to kind of talk that way, I guess, um, what can you do? It's just the way the world is right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, people just gotta you gotta put it out there. You know, you'd rather have a uh, an honest enemy than a, a false friend. Damn, dude, that is amazing. I'm I'm gonna end the episode on that. On that awesome note, I uh, <laughs> I end this episode of the Happy Haven podcast. Big thank you to Pete Sametti for time and such an honest view of comics and offering up such a great conversation definitely uh, go to your local comic book store and start asking for alternative comics if they don't carry them already Uh, sign up for their newsletter and get your 30 free digital comics and uh, yeah man let's all get behind this and uh, really show uh, other labels how they should be running their uh, their books because um you really can't beat what Alterna Comics is doing right now. I really, 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 really love being behind them, and having him on was a blast and uh, definitely a pleasure. So check out Alterna Comics, sign up for the newsletter, and as always, guys, remember to make the world a better place one nerd at a time. See ya.